Hey guys, the one-year anniversary of World of Row is brought to you by Vinyl Me Please. Vinyl Me Please is a record of the month club. Every month, Vinyl Me Please features one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection and sends it to thousands of members worldwide. Each record is pressed exclusively for Vinyl Me Please members with features you can get you can't get elsewhere. Things like bonus tracks, inserts, color variants, a 12 by 12 album inspired art, and a custom cocktail pairing recipe. Sign up for your subscription today when you go to www.joinvmp.com/row. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the show. This is the World of Pro Podcast. And introducing your host, standing at 6'5", weighing 225 pounds, from Alice, Texas, Dial it in, sing it up, shout it out, whatever it is that you want to do, because it's now time for the World of Row podcast. I am your host, my name is Roel. I am a loving husband, a caring father, a one-year-old podcaster. You can listen to my show every single Friday on iTunes, Google Play, worldofrow.com, Stitcher Radio, wherever you listen to your podcast. There's a couple of great ways that you can help out my show. And that is by taking the time to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, tell your friends, social media, tweet it, Instagram it, whatever it is, call them, email them, fax, whatever the whole gist of how you communicate with your friends is. The other way, of course, is by going to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash world of row. You can donate a dollar, two dollars, three dollars a month, whatever you want to donate. I would greatly appreciate it. I'll give you some extra content, videos, whatever, etc., etc., etc. Oh, that third etc. sounded really awesome. Anyway, guys, yeah, that's all I want to say. But guys, thank you for listening. It's the one year anniversary of World of Row. One year, guys. One year ago, I said, let's do this. And I released my first episode. And I haven't looked back. And it's been an exciting year. I've had many different guests. I've hustled for those guests. I've made appearances on podcasts, and that's kind of helped the show. It's helped me grow. But I, I couldn't have done it without the support and love from all of you who have listened to the show and have taken the time to write a review. Some of you who have enjoyed the, sh- the podcast have let me know personally. Maybe it was a text. Maybe it was through the iTunes review. Whatever. I mean, you just, you did that for me and I really, really appreciate it. And I, in turn, I hope that every single Friday I gave you the best podcast there there is or the best, the best podcast I could put together. Now, could it have, um, I mean, we always strive for more, right? So the first year I feel like I fulfilled my expectations and it went exactly the way I wanted it to. And it's, man, it's, it's unreal. I mean, you as an adult, you feel like a year goes by so fast, but when you're doing a project or something like this, you don't you don't expect it to go as fast as it does. And man, it was a fun. It's been a fun ride. I mean, just talking about how I was doing it a year ago, t- even technology wise. I mean, just I was so behind the the eight ball, so to speak, and now I'm I'm at this different level where I I know how to do this, I know how to do that, and I've had a lot of support along the way. You know, people. That helped me technically, you know, Brandon Manabusin helped us from pick and row. I mean, I never forgot how to to do stuff after with talking with him. And then of course of course Omar helped me 
when I started the solo show by lending me some equipment to kind of get me started. And then he kind of pointed me in the right direction. He showed me how to use Logic Pro. I mean, just, it's just awesome. I mean, people that can help. I mean, I don't mean to go all technical and everything, but it, it's amazing. It's amazing just in the year, how much when you, when we as human beings, when we divulge, divulge ourselves, I think I'm saying that right, uh, into something and we, we come out better than what we expect. I mean, it's just like you're working at a job or you're on a weight training program or a lifestyle change or a project. I mean, it's just amazing. And I've had so much support for the podcast. And those of you who have written a review, thank you so much. For those of you who have told me you've enjoyed the show, thank you so much. Whether it was Choo Choo Stew on Twitter or my dad or Kevin Death, Aaron Castillo, you guys have been awesome. I really, really appreciate it. I want to thank the people that have supported me from the very, very get-go and told me to go after it and to kind of pursue it. And that's going to be, you know, my wife. She told me I could do anything if I just put my mind to it. And, and I love her so much for that because she's she's always telling me, you know, you can do anything you want. I, you, I've got your support. I mean, you, I ha- you have my support is what I'm saying. She's always said I'm your number one fan, whether it was work or anything. And and then she's helped tremendously. I mean, I, I, I couldn't have... I couldn't have done it without without you, honey. And um and I love you so much and I appreciate you letting me, you know, just saying, Yeah, go for it, babe. Do this, do that. And you know, if I wanted this or if I wanted that for the podcast, she's always been really cool and saying, Yeah, go for it, you know, do what do what you gotta do. And I mean that that's I mean, that's I mean, I, I couldn't have asked for anybody anybody better. I mean, you were the best. So uh next person I wanna give a thank you to is Fear. You know, guys, um Fear has been a good friend. I mean, he, he's been a really good friend. I mean, when I wanted to do a solo podcast and I was venting my frustrations about certain things, he was there to listen. I'd text him every day or whatever. And I'd get ideas from him because he's got his own solo show. And, and I just said, you know, I could do this. I can do this. And he's like, well, just go for it. Put them, turn the mics on and record, man. See what happens is what he would always say. So finally I've, he pushed me with him and my wife's support. I finally said, you know what? I can do this. One, you know, they they were the biggest, um, the biggest believers in me, and I went after it. And then along the way, I've met people from Potter Family. You know, Potter Family was a great group, is a great group of people, and I've met so many of them, so many nice people there. John Rathina, you know, Court from the Quadfather. I mean, the Quadfather Quadcast, and uh, Emily from the story behind, formerly of the Classy Little Podcast, Nick from the you know the Epic Film Guys. He's been awesome, big supporter of the show. And, and there's so many of you. John Medina, I mean, I, I can't name you all. Or Jack, Jack from the Naked Diner, Jeff Perry, who was kind of cool. Robin Slim, hey, Rob's been a very good friend of the show. I've been a good friend of his. And just it's just all around amazing. I mean, and I want to thank every single guest that has been on my show. If you've been on once, twice, three times, whatever, thank you so much for being part of the podcast and for, you know, taking the time to be on it. I mean, I really appreciate it. And then you're going to hear some of my favorite interviews are the best interviews that I think I did. Some of the best guests that I've had on and everybody's a, the great, a great guest. And it wasn't easy to pick some of these clips. So if if you've been on my show and I didn't put your clip on here, please don't take that the wrong way. It just kind of like, ah, oh, you know what? I got to I think this one was great. This one was great. But every single guest that has been on the show, thank you so much. You guys are great. Thank you for taking the time. I really really appreciate it. 
You know, and so going forward, you know, this going into the future here, 2017, 2017, 2017 is going to be a big year for me. I, I'm going to be very aggressive with this podcast, and I'm working on two uh, in-person interviews as we speak here for in San Antonio, and I don't want to tell tales. I'll just say, look, yeah, hopefully it happens. I'm really looking forward to it. They're they're not your they're they're some pretty big names, I would say, and I just hope it happens. And I mean, I'm talking about it right now, and I hope that's just uh. Uh, I hope that doesn't jinx it. No, I mean it's it's gonna happen. We've already worked out details. I mean, just you know, they'll con- it'll you'll see. <laughs> but anyway, guys, uh, thank you again so much for supporting me in this one year <clears throat> of the podcast, and um, I can't say thank you enough. Okay, guys, so let's hear some clips. So the first episode here was episode four. My fourth episode in, I already had a big guest. And I had the band St. Diablo on the podcast. And I had the opportunity to interview Tito and Justin from the band. And uh, some of the other members were in in and out of the uh, area that we're in. It's kind of echoey. Again, <laughs> I was at the beginning stages of how to do a podcast. And I didn't have the right equipment on me at the time. I was still kind of getting set up. And um, you kind of hear the echoness of it. But I feel like... It, it brings to the interview and the discussion that I had with them. And it's a great conversation. And what they're talking about here is stories from the road. And I asked them, you know, what, what it was like, you know, some of the, inter- some of the more interesting things that they've encountered. And, um, it's a very funny, funny conversation guys. So I hope you enjoy and, uh, get a laugh out of it. It was a great episode. Ray and fear kind of got me in touch with these guys. And, um, I was really happy to have them, especially early on when I was still trying to establish myself as a podcast. And Saint Diablo kind of helped put me on the map a little bit because they they were already they already had a presence to themselves, and they've gone and grown into grown into bigger and better things. And uh, this was this was fun. This was a lot of fun. Just my first in person interview. It was such a blast. Awesome, dude. So being on the road, what's the? I mean, if you're permitted to say so, I mean, you guys can say whatever you want, right? Oh yeah, I don't have kids. Much, you know. I don't have what's, kids. Right? <laughs> what's, what's, what's the craziest shit y'all have ever been through? Craziest thing happened like in the concert or anything? I mean, back here or whatever. Uh, usually, you get one a tour. There's usually one instance of at a tour where you're like, oh, I'll never forget that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've been through a lot, man. We've we've been through uh, vehicles almost driving off the road and God. blowing up into flames. We've been. You know, we've seen, we've witnessed things that are, you know, they're completely uh, illegal and shouldn't be happening in <laughs> hotel rooms. And all kind of, I mean, you name it, it's it's out there. But I think one of the scariest ones is when our bus uh, blew the axle completely ripped off the off the back of of the bus, and we uh, almost flipped over, and it was it could have been it could have been really bad. But Holy crap! My a bass player at the time had saved it, so we didn't we didn't die. Obviously, we're still wow. here. But it was our tire shot off in front of us, crossed the medium, and hit an oncoming car. Holy shit! One, it was a Dewey a dually. So within another tire went backwards, and a car behind us drove over it, and it like kind of like almost gutted the inside the the bottom of his car. He was so, mad, but he came running up to the up to the bus, and he was like, "Who, who was driving that thing, man? That thing was going over, man." I, you guys were goners, man. But Shit. he came up. My brother, my brother was a bass player at the time. He's like, "Yeah, that was me driving." He's like, "Dude, I gotta shake your hand." Dude. Why? <laughs> you got a brush with death from going over. He's like, "I don't even care about my car." He's like, "It sucks," but I was like, "Man, it would have sucked to see that thing because there was an embankment. And we would it would just flipped and rolled and turned into a. It, it would have been a bloody mess. Man. Yeah, it was. 
And then the other guy came and he he pulled over because that Chris, my brother, saw the tire just go across both lanes, Jeez. across the median, across both those lanes, and hit a car <laughs> coming. The car was like 120 feet away, man. It was wow! Like, and it boom. And he came. He got off the exit, came around. He's like, I don't know what that was, but it was some crazy stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was. It so was definitely got to go down in the history books as one of the worst experiences. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, yeah. you write poetry and then you put music to it, and you never think that it all boils down to like fucking flying tires. You know, you just uh, don't think that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. That man. was that was a scary one, man. Yeah. Like, we, it was all kinds of other ones that are just like craziest stuff on the road yeah but yeah it's there's you see other bands doing stuff you know like we went out with this one band i'm not gonna name it yeah yeah, don't you don't know the name uh, yeah yeah yeah. and we we got a hotel room one night and um they drove to the hotel but they didn't get a room they were just gonna stay in their van but they just wanted you know be there in the morning so when we got out but and uh we woke up and i don't remember what time it was but this guy's yelling out outside, so we open the door. Yeah. And the lead singer of that band is taking a shit on top of his own van <laughs> with his own band members in the van. <laughs> and he's just having this moment. I don't know what he was on. He's completely naked, standing on top of his own van, screaming at the world. And his band members are like, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Man? Like beating on the roof of the van. And Holy he's just shit. taking it. Took a big old dump on his own van. I think, I was, I think it was the, the same... <laughs> The same tour we were in. I think it was the same tour we were in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. We had to borrow a vehicle um, to do this tour, and then we lost our keys, oh, and yeah. we were like, no, uh, "Yeah, we, were, we need to call some Papa Lock person." Yeah, up, right. Right. So like, they come. That's what they do. Like, cool, wonderful. So like, um, yeah. who's the owner? And we're like, uh, well, the owner is in Virginia. We we borrowed the van, <laughs> and we're on tour yeah and he's like he's like okay well you know i can't really open the car for you guys you're not the owner and then we're like we just look at him and we're just like well there's six of us and there's one of you like it's gonna resolve to me us kicking so, the shit out of you right <laughs> so dude was like i'll do it all right i'll do it i'll do it and we we're trying to pay him he's like nope nope can't pay me because I didn't officially do it. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> like, okay. He's okay. Like, I, I can't have paperwork. I can't have paperwork on that, right? So, well, fuck. So I think what happened was we we sat there and, and waited for him to do the whole. He got he did the locks and whatnot. And right. I guess we offered him if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to smoke or whatever. He was like, yeah, sure. And I, I guess we baked the shit out of him because he ended up passing out in his fucking car. Holy shit. <laughs> Because when music doesn't sell, yeah. herbs does. Karma, karma, yeah. <laughs> karma came. Karma came back, and uh, three days later, all the locks fell out of the van. Wow! So I don't know what he used or what he did, but you go turn the key and pull the key out, and the whole lock would pop right out on all of them, like the whole. The world of roll, roll, roll. Okay, so this next clip was for episode 13 when I had Natasha Pearl Hansen on the podcast. And Natasha is a it was a great guest and this was actually like the first real guest that I didn't that I had on the show that wasn't a podcaster or just I just went out and I did I worked to to get her on the show and I I you know, I tweeted at her or I DM'd her and I said, "Hey, um I have a podcast. 
uh, talking about your story. Would you be interested in doing it? And of course, she jumped on the opportunity. And here she talks about how she was trying to find her comfort zone and where she wanted to be in terms of comedy. And it's a really great episode. Have a listen, and I hope you enjoy. And every other week, I went to either New York or, or L.A. for almost an entire year. Well, just to kind of get a feel for each city and which one was right for you kind of thing? Not a, not a, Yes, but also okay. to meet other comics and yeah. to see what the scenes were like. Um, but I've always had an interest in the business side of the, of the mm. industry as well. And so right. I love the filmmaking process and I write and I like producing. And so L.A. was a smarter fit for me. Mm-hmm. But in New York, nothing tops New York as far as stand up. Like, you know, it's just true. You can do five sets in one night. Wow. And when you can do that much stage time, um, and there's shows starting at five o'clock at night and they go until four in the morning, um, you know, you get, you get really strong really fast. And so, you know, New York is a very smart choice in that regard. I mean, Mm -hmm. My friends that moved out there are just crushing it and growing so quickly, and it makes me happy to see that. So all, that is awesome. Yeah, so they're just different spaces, you know. Mm-hmm. Kind of just depends on what you're what you're in the need of. Yeah. So and so so then you went to you're in L.A. So I, I did see that you were you were writing and you were doing the uh, the producing stuff, and you were working for a production company. Is that right? Or you're starting I, up your no, own? I own pro- one. You own one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I saw that. So what 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 predict what particularly do you guys um you know produce and things of that nature? Right now, just our own stuff. I mean, it doesn't make oh, okay. any sense for us to do anybody else's stuff yet because we're not. Yeah. Um, we're a production company on paper, but you know people don't realize how long it takes to actually grow a business like that. So um, right now we're in pre-production of, of a couple features. We're in. Mm-hmm in production of a number of series series are easy for us to shoot because we have all our own equipment and um i produce my partner directs and edits so we kind of can do everything uh, that we need to get done um but we just shot another pilot like last weekend Mm -hmm. yeah um so we just shoot a lot and pitch and gear up for things and make sure that we have stuff just ready to show people whenever they ask you know because that's such a huge thing out here people show me what you got and you don't have anything then they don't yeah you know they don't remember you yeah yeah (laughs) so is that was that the so was that the intention going to la to do all these things that you that you're now doing was that was that kind of absolutely mindset absolutely um all under the umbrella of comedy of course um of course but you know for me it was never a practical idea that I would move out here and become an overnight star on the CW. Like that wasn't what I thought my career path would be. When I look at people in the industry that I really revere, Mm -hmm. uh, it's like Tina Fey, Elizabeth Banks. I love um, Lake Bell. I love people that are just kind of doing their own thing. And then, it turned, um, in other words, I didn't want to wait for somebody else to book me on stuff. I want to make my own stuff. Um, I think it, you know, then 
then if it's bad, you're fully responsible. And if it's good, you're also fully responsible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, either way, you have to take responsibility. And it's nice to have that kind of pressure on yourself um, yeah. to know so, that whatever you're making is, you know, you just have to keep making better stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. be better than yourself constantly. And it's so much more fun that way. Yeah. Do, do you find it to be, you know, challenging in that sense? Because obviously, um, I, I mean, I'm not in that background, but every time I do like a, like I'll do one of these episodes and one of them drops, I'm like, oh, that one was great. Okay. This one's even better. That one's even better. Oh, it could be, I mean, you're always critiquing yourself, I'm sure. But yeah. do you feel like, I mean, cause it, like the experience you have, I mean, cause you've got like so much experience doing all these different things and traveling around the world. I mean, do you still find yourself like constantly, do you, I mean, obviously you don't beat yourself up because I judging by how, you know, the conversation we're having that you don't, but do, is it just, do you critique yourself in those types of ways or of, do you? Of course. I think yeah. you can't be in this industry unless you do. Right. Um, if I had started stand up and I thought I was the best thing ever <laughs> and I thought I couldn't possibly get any better, what fun would that be? Right. That's true. And you know, you're constantly rewriting stuff. You're constantly getting bored of stuff you used to talk about. Um, yeah. There's plenty of, uh, you know, sketches that I've shot back when I was 22 that I look back on now and I'm like, oh, that was so awful. <laughs> but who gives a shit? I was right. 22. I'm 31 yeah. now. Like I'm, yeah. you know, it's, you know, it's a process. Everything is right. a process. And I never moved out here thinking I'm going to become an overnight yeah. You know, I'm a hottie, I'm going to get booked on this and I'm just going <laughs> to fucking rock, you know, like in, in my mind, I was like, okay, this is going to be a, over a decade long preparation for hopefully a life. You, sir, are listening to the world of Roe. And every now and again, you kind of have to let the guard down and just have a cool conversation and bring somebody on the podcast that really knows you. And that's what I did with episode 17 when I had my father on the show and that where he, you know, he told his story and we just kind of BS'd and bullshit, you know, bullshitted and had a good time. And it was a fun, fun, fun podcast to do because my dad and I always have these weird conversations, not these weird conversations, but these funny conversations every time he's around or when he visits, it always involves us barbecuing and drinking some beers. And I let you guys in and a lot of you enjoyed this episode and, uh, my dad's quite a character, and I feel like I can try to be like him. I hope I I try to be like him. But anyway, um, here's that clip where we're just kind of talking. Phoenix. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, I remember her. That was a challenge. And but you, but you were determined. I was determined. Judy Phoenix was a good friend of mine. She was a a, a sister girl from Alice, Texas. She was an LVN. Long story short, she needed a heart transplant. Yeah. So I took it upon myself. To make public service announcements, go on TV, radio, yeah. word of mouth, uh, uh, posters at, at different places, that this lady needed to raise $20,000 to get a heart transplant. So we had uh, a car wash, we had spaghetti dinner, dance. You did everything, I remember Barbecues that. and stuff. You were like pounding the pavement with that, man. Bro... I love that sister girl. Oh, I no, love Judy. And, and, and getting back to what I was doing for other people was because when my father had Alzheimer's and, and, and he told me there's five stages of Alzheimer's. On the third stage, he took off walking. I remember this 
as if it was yesterday. It was a hot summer day. Yeah. Crossing Highway 281. I'm stop, stopping traffic. I'm barefooted. And my dad is swinging at me. And I followed him, and, and I stayed with him for about a mile, maybe two miles, until he walked into this uh, uh, fenced-in yard. Yeah. And he came back to his senses, and he said, did I lose it? I said, yes. He said, will you take me home? I said, yes, I'll take you home. Yeah. So I took him home, and on the way when we were going home, he said, always remember to help the poor, the sick, and the dying. And after he died, yeah. I said, I'm going to do that. So getting back to Judy Phoenix, she right. needed help. Right. The state wouldn't help her. Government agencies wouldn't help her. So I said, ah, somebody has to do something. Yeah. And and, and 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 we did all those fundraisers to see if we could get her the $20,000 that she needed. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, for a complete physical, see if she was compatible with somebody else. And we were doing the fundraiser, and I was on TV. And about two days later, this lady drove up to my house, came up to me, and she says, she said, who would have thought that a, a flunky like you, a flunky, a flunky like you could be doing something like this? And I looked at the lady and said, um, speaking of flunky, I said, at least in high school, I was in the boys' choir. I was in basketball. I said, but you never did anything. You wow. were never involved with anybody or any organization. And you calling me flunky? Wow. I made her cry. And after I I told her what I felt about her, yeah. she gave me $100 for duty. Sometimes when you treat people like shit, they'll respect you more. Yeah. And I treated her like shit. Excuse my language. No, you're fine. You can say whatever you want on this. Uh, but, but. She gave me $100 for Judy, and she never forgot what I was doing with you on the club. Wow. And, 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 and I probably have an idea who this person is, too. Maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. You might know. Her kids? Yeah. Well, you know, you know what, man? And it's like you said, people, people criticizing. and they, <sighs> What did that do to you, man? I mean, did, did you? So. Did you turn red, or did your did you did your eyes turn red and turn into like the no. like Terminator, like the way we used no. to get mad at us? I kept my composure. <laughs> she pulled out her checkbook, and I was one happy camper because <laughs> she paid. Hey, bro, see, I also found out that she was my number one fan. Yeah, because they, they she was keeping tabs on because the whole people thing. that criticize you want to be like you. Yeah, they want to be like you. They want to be leaders, not followers. Right. And yet, the only thing they have is, well, I'll criticize them. Right, because that's all. That's what people... Like I said, ridicule is the weapon of the week. The world of row. What'd you expect? This next episode was with Toph from the Master Debaters podcast. And uh, I reached out to Toph, and I wanted to have a conversation with him just about anything. He, you know, he's a podcaster and you know things like that. He's from the UK, so I, I imagine that it was going to be a funny conversation anyway. So we get to talking, and then he tells me that... Hey, I, I used to be a professional wrestler because we, we somehow just started getting into the conversation. And it was just like, oh, wow, cool. So we had this conversation about wrestling. I told him about how I loved Art of Wrestling, which he was a big fan of as well. And I told him about how I was on episode 300 of Colt Cabana's Art of Wrestling. And uh, he told me about how he interviewed Hur Hurricane Helms. So it was a lot of fun to talk to Toph. And um, here's that clip now. Enjoy. And 
they seem right. to have done quite well. And do you know? Um, <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember the hurricane? The hurricane? Yeah, from WWE, the hurricane. Oh yeah, Greg Helms. Yeah, yeah, we had him on on um, our second wrestling special. No way. Yeah, yeah, he was wrestling for the one of the companies in the Midlands. So I just sort of got in got in touch, and he was happy to sit down with me. Yeah, well, no kidding, man. I I need to hear that one, man. I mean, I I don't. Nice little chat. Oh wow, yeah, dude. So, are you good friends with him or something, or how did that happen? Well, he wrestled for the um, because like I wrestled for just just near the near like for the, I think for the last like five years, I wrestled mm-hmm. mainly for um the called PWL Pro Wrestling Live, and um, okay. they sort of run pretty much the uh, the entire Black Country. Like we'll do oh, um. Wow. We'll do, we'll do shows all throughout the Midlands and stuff like that. So I wouldn't need to wrestle for anybody else because they'd keep me busy. And um, he'd get all these imports in, like he'd, we've had um, Chris Hero. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chris Hero. Yeah, he's a nice bloke. Um, I've said Gangrel, um, Hooventu Guerrera. Yeah, Hooventu. Yeah, um, of the Hurricane, people like that. And then when I found, because when I found out he had the Hurricane, I was like, oh, that's perfect for our show because he's sort of. Mm-hmm. He sort of talks about the shit we talk about. I know he's interested in comics, so I've got a way in. And yeah. I just said, can you, if you can get me five minutes with him, I said this to the promoter. He went, yeah, sound. And like the, mm-hmm. the night was going on and the night was going on. Everybody had had the match. He'd had his match. And um, I said, mm-hmm. I went to the promoter. I got, have you, have you spoke to him? Can I get five minutes with him? He said, yeah, go and set yeah. your stuff up. I'll bring him in. I was like, oh, you can't just blast him with it and then bring him in the room. What if he says no? Right. And then he literally just walked up to me, he grabbed my hand, walked in the room with him and says, this bloke's got a podcast, do you want to do it then? And he was literally putting his underwear on and he went, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so he couldn't really say no. But, uh, right. He was, he was a nice bloke. Though. We went out for something to eat after as well and he was, he, was, he was a nice bloke. Oh, that's cool, man. That's really cool. So when you you just said, yeah, sound. Sound, what does that mean? Oh, sound, um... If some, yeah, yeah, sound as in okay, yeah, good. Okay, okay, Sorted, okay. Sorted, solid, had, sound. Yeah, yeah. Just, see, and I've said that to people like, um, I'm gonna get this. I'll see. I'll get this sorted, and I'll be there. And they're like, what? What? I'm like, sorted. You know, taken care of. Okay, sorted. Yeah. Okay, I thought that was a, yeah. a worldwide thing. Sorted. Yeah, because you know, I was watching the full Monty, and um, again, like I said, so Robbie, Robbie Carlisle, Robert Carlisle was telling. He's at the his son wants to make that withdrawal. Remember, and it, yeah. the lady's like, "Oh, yo, you're taking up some time." Or, or, or I forget what she says. He's like, "Don't worry, love it. We got it all sorted." You know, he's like, "It's sorted." Was it was that pitiful? It was better than <laughs> some people I've heard, but it, it, it's good. You, you just keep oh, okay, doing, okay, keep okay. Doing it. It's fine. It works. Good. Okay. How old is your little one? My little one will be two in August. Oh, good. So you're at a nice, and exciting girl. age. Yes, she's she's talking a lot right now, and she's she's uh, her little personality is starting to come out too. It's it's quite entertaining, as, yeah, as you yeah, may yeah. know. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is. It is. It's it's nice to. Uh, it, it's an amazing feeling, man, being a father, as you as you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you yeah. plan on have you have, you plan on having any more kids? Uh, no, no. He's um no. He's 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 more than he's more than enough. I'm I'm quite happy just because he's he's a he's a very boys boy. Mm-hmm. Like he's into everything, boy, and it's, yeah. it's, it's like when I, it's I don't know. I'd like maybe when he's a bit older, maybe when he's five or six, maybe. Mm-hmm. But well, you're still a young guy, aren't you? You're like what in your late twenties, early thirties, maybe? Yeah, I'm twenty-seven. 
Oh man, you're still young. You got time. <laughs> no. I think we'll get a cat. He's got to have a little brother or sister. No, he's he got cousins. <laughs> we'll get a cat. It's fine. <laughs> and uh, so this episode with Hurricane, how long? How was he on the whole show, or is it just like a brief spot? Um, I, I was supposed to get five minutes with him, but we ended up talking mm-hmm. for about twenty minutes. Oh wow, that is awesome, dude! Yeah, um, and I, I I went in intending to talk about wrestling. I thought, oh well, it's the mm-hmm. wrestling. I'll put it on the wrestling the wrestling special. I'll ask him mm-hmm. some wrestling questions. But then, once he sat in the room, I think we started talking about. Um, I think we started talking about the Deadpool film. Oh okay. And then it, we just sort of kept talking and talking, and then it was twenty minutes, and the promoter was like knocking on the door saying, "Well, oh, we need to sort of kick you out." <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit, everything's spoke about wrestling once, but all right, fair." The world of Raw! And then I got to talk to Marty DeRosa. Marty DeRosa has an amazing podcast that uh, Marty and Sarah love wrestling and wrestling with depression. Two podcasts. This guy's a stand-up comedian. I found out about Marty through Colt Cabana because he does a lot of stuff with Colt. And uh, I was really thrilled to talk to him. I reached out to him and I'm thinking, oh, you know what? It doesn't hurt to ask to see if you want to do the podcast. And, you know, he did. And it was a really cool conversation. I was a little nervous, but I was so freaking excited to talk to Marty because he's such a fucking cool guy. But anyway, guys, here's that clip and enjoy. Uh, growing up, it was like if you were my friend, you you had to be into wrestling. You right. were already into wrestling, or you became a wrestling fan because I I made you become a wrestling fan. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, I moved when I was in uh, in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I moved from a, the Catholic school to an elementary school, like a it, that was right by my house, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't. I just didn't like going to this Catholic school. Um, I got like held back. So my ADD was just like off the charts, and I never, I, I never wanted to go to school. And my mom also suffered depression, so she'd be like, "Well, stay home and hang out with me." You know, like it was a yeah. bad. We were kind of a bad influence <laughs> on each other. So I, um, I ended up going to this new school, and there was another new kid at the school, mm-hmm. and we were both just like, "I like wrestling," and he's like, "I like wrestling," and we became best friends that first day, and uh, we're still friends to this day. Wow. His his little brother is Josh Matthews, who's the announcer for TNA. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was nonstop wrestling. We, you know, we had our LJN figures. Mm-hmm. We, when we got older, we had a backyard fed, and that's where it started. Where we did this backyard fed, and it's funny, like seeing these old videos where, like, some kids were like, "Yeah, man, we were so hardcore, and, and we had light tubes, and we did this and did that." But we always did it funny. We always had we we were always kind of like tongue in cheek, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. we joke around with like the final deletion. We're like, that's just what we would have done had we never stopped doing this. Yeah. You know, we did so many silly things, and and we had a public access show, and I was just like, there's still stuff we joke about to this day, <clears throat> where it's like. It was so funny, and that that kind of was my first. Like when I commentate, I would throw in jokes, and mm-hmm. you know, if there was a botch, I would act like, "Oh, he meant to do that." We would just <laughs> do all sorts of like silly stuff, and and um, that was sort of my first like, "Oh, okay, I can do this." Yeah, and, uh, you know, and then just through the rise of of everything else, you kind of see like, "Oh, there's other people who like comedy and wrestling," and you know, it's not you know this idea of years ago would have been like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you're." You're you're shitting on wrestling. Or you're yeah. killing the business, and now it's like, now we all love wrestling so much. You can also have fun with it in a comedic way. Nice, yeah. So, and did you, uh, by any chance? I mean, I didn't see the SP Awards, but one of my friends had me see the monologue that John Cena did. Did you see huh? that by chance? 
I did. I made sure to watch the monologue. I had a couple. Sarah had a friend who wrote on it, and I had a friend who oh, wrote on it. Nice. So uh, it was it was cool. I like. Yeah, I, th- I think Cena is like one of those dudes who's just super talented, and yeah, I had I had no doubt he would be good, and he I thought he was good. Yeah, I mean, because you were mentioning you were mentioning, well, it's fake <laughs> and this and that. I I loved how he kind of like immediately dr- addressed it, and then he went into the, to yeah, the jokes. That's and everything. what a, that's what a you know a good comedian will do you know mm-hmm. it's like uh if I have, a, I have a buddy who's got like a a, a smaller arm mm-hmm. uh through birth that uh, you know and and he'll go on stage and he'll make a joke about it and then move on so it's kind of like like you said address yeah. the elephant in the room boom now we're moving on yeah that's, that's what uh that's what cena did and i thought it was great plus yeah. all those dudes love cena i mean yeah they like anytime you go to you know anytime raw's in a major city mm-hmm in the front row are athletes, right? Athletes love wrestling. Uh, you know, every locker room, they have belts in them now. And, and, you know, when, when the, the Cavs were making their comeback, you know, yeah. they're all wearing old school ultimate warrior undertaker t-shirts. And I mean, I, I through my black friends, they're all just like, Hulk Hogan's fine. We don't care. You know what I mean? It's like so yeah, funny yeah, yeah, yeah. that like these wrestlers have these like passes. You know, it's like a, the like one of my buddies is like, ah, black people love Hulk Hogan. And yeah. Like, what? After everything, he goes, ah, black people love Hulk Hogan. And, <laughs> and I think it's just that thing of like, um, a, a, any athlete can appreciate even more so. Like you know, at the end of an NBA season, those guys are like, oh, all that traveling. It's just like it never stops for wrestlers. Right. They always have to be in shape. Uh, and and. Uh, just that that whole thing of like you know the the being bigger than life and not only do you have to physically do your job but you have to entertain people and it's i think any entertainer or athlete if they really study wrestling or or watch it with somebody who knows Mm -hmm. to be like notice this and watch this and here's what you need to know about this if you can't respect that then you're you're an idiot yeah, exactly, man. And when I, when I was a kid, I you know everything was very black and white to me, or you know gray, I guess you could say, because Hulk Hogan was a good guy, yep. Earthquake was a bad guy, and during I would watch wrestling with my dad, and there was parts where the, the bad guy would do these things, and he's meaning it to be funny, and I'm looking at my dad like, why are you laughing at the guy? He's the one that's beating up Hulk Hogan, you know? And he's oh, like, yeah. no. He's like, oh man, it's it's entertainment, you know? He's yeah. like, and I'm like, I don't get it. So then finally. I'm like 22 years old or whatever, or 18 or 16 or whatever it is I am. I'm like, oh, I get it now. I finally get what he's laughing at. Oh yeah. So- or I would notice too, like one of my one of my favorite things too is when I'm watching wrestling with a non-wrestling fan, and they're just yeah. kind of like, oh, what are you guys watching? And then when they start <laughs> to get into it, yeah. like I'll never forget one of my one of my favorite uh, memories of that is when uh, I was living with. Um, my buddy Rudy, who I mentioned earlier, he right, had, right. His, his now fiance was over, mm-hmm. and we were watching uh, uh, WrestleMania, the one uh, with uh, uh, Angle and Shawn Michaels. I can't remember which mania it was. Yeah, like, I think that was 21. 20, 21. Yeah. And at first she was like, oh, uh, what's this? What's this? And then at the end she was just like screaming at the TV. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, that's what awesome wrestling will do. It will get. Yeah. That's why. Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels are are masters at wrestling. The world of And this next clip here, I talked to Chad Forcier. Chad was a coach that I had been reaching out to for quite some time. I reached out to him in November of 2015. 
to do the podcast uh, at Pick and Row, actually. And then that didn't happen. But then I got him to do the solo show. And we met up in August of last year, right before he moved to Florida. And it was such a fun conversation because Chad's such a really down-to-earth, easy-to-talk-to guy. I was I was a little nervous, but we nailed the conversation, had lots of coffee, and we had fun. Enjoy. We're here. Huge success. And then, of course, the NBA title in 2014. What was that like? I mean, two finals appearances of the year before, you, we lose. Oh, and then you win in 14, <laughs> which was amazing. Yeah, it was um, everything anyone would imagine it to yeah. be. So for all the excitement that, that a fan would feel for their yeah. beloved Spurs, you know, uh, winning the championship, certainly as a coach or a player you feel all of that and more, you yeah. know, because – you know, um, you know that you got to the top of the mountain, and you know how hard it is to get to the top of the mountain yeah. for a lot of reasons. You know how long the uh, the journey was in an NBA season. Yeah, uh, you lived every single minute of the frustration, or the you know the injuries, or the losses, or the late nights, or the uh, uh, days and hours away from your family, or traveling on holidays, or right. you know whatever it may be you went through all of it so yeah. when you when you get to the mountaintop uh it, it needless to say it, it was exhilarating yeah i can imagine just the year before i i mean i didn't i had it was, it was funny because we we just moved into our house and we were getting our home security installed it was like maybe two weeks after the finals and the guy the technicians were talking about lebron james and i said you guys do not mention that name in my house right now i'm i'm still really upset and they both kind of give i made a you know i was making light of it but i'm like no i'm not i'm kidding guys but <laughs> i didn't want to watch or think about basketball for weeks just because it was so sad but then the next year was just so i think the whole city felt the you know i guess redemption so to speak in terms of winning that the winning the title back and I think everyone celebrated for weeks. <laughs> well, it was special. I mean, yeah. for, for me, it was the first time I'd ever won a championship. Yeah. So winning championships in San Antonio, uh, maybe it started to become commonplace, you know, for Spurs <laughs> fans and whatnot. But yeah. it was my first first one ever. Uh, and, and, you know, quite possibly first and only one ever. Right, you know, you yeah. never know. You I never mean, know, it's, yeah. winning one uh, is so hard to do and takes so many – uh, ingredients and elements, inclu yeah. including a lot of luck, you know, to get to that mountaintop. So I don't know if I'll ever be lucky enough to have that happen again. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm not, uh, you know, it's something that I'm forever grateful for that I got right. to experience. And, and, and more importantly, uh, the group of guys that won that championship in 2014 mm -hmm. was the most special combination yeah. of players. Each individual guy was incredible in and of his own right mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the human being that he was. Yeah. But that mixture and that chemistry that team had was phenomenal. Yeah. It was such a joy uh, to the point where it's, it's one of the strongest levels of emotion I've ever felt, you know, in ter terms of toward a team and toward, toward a group of guys. Yeah. And, um, and that'll be something that never leaves my heart. I mean, yeah. it was just, it was just incredible. And then, you know, to hear, uh, reflections by Coach Pop or Tim Duncan or any of the guys mm -hmm. that had been here for so long before. A lot of them felt that the 2014 one was the the most special one. Right. You know, if if you had three or four or five, whatever, two or three or four before that. Right, 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 right. Rings uh, <laughs> that that one was maybe the most special one. Uh, 
based on, of course, the, the circumstances, mm-hmm. you know, the redemption of, of the 13 finals, yeah. uh, having the opportunity, of course, to play the same team again. Um, you know, but also the the point in time where the where the franchise was and, and where the team was in terms of um, you know age and expectations and things of that sort. Right. Uh, a lot of those people thought that that was maybe the the most special one. Yeah. And if if they mean that, and if it was you know to them, uh, that made it even kind of more special right. to me yeah. that, that it meant so much to them because I know what it meant to me yeah. and to hear from guys that had you know up to that point three or four rings already <laughs> yeah that was uh, a, a pretty a, a, that 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 comment those kind of comments had some gravity to it yeah and you you know what that's actually my favorite I think out, out of all the teams that I've won that's like my favorite team just because of the way they played and you know I I read a lot of John Wooden books and you know the my the thing that sticks out to me most about that team was it takes ten hands to score a basket. That's what Wooden said in one of his books, and I was just like, that's what that's what they're doing. I mean, they're just sharing the ball and you know making teams look foolish by the way they're playing. It's just amazing at that. The world of raw. I wanted to do more in person interviews, and so I reached out to Sam Slade. Sam and I had been in touch for quite some time. And then he said, hey, I want to do your podcast. I think he did Robin Slim, and Robin Slim put him in touch with me, which is really cool. And so then I said, okay, let's do the podcast. So he came came over to the house. We talked for almost two hours or over two hours, and we just had a fun topic of conversations. Topic of conversation. What is wrong with me? <laughs> we talk about his uh, stand-up career and you know working for the Obama administration in, 20, in 2008 and 2012. And then we just talk about comedy and things that we enjoy. So um, here's my conversation with Sam. Friends. And, you know, we had to all kind of rock, paper, scissor it out and figure out who's coming in. Everybody else sat in the car, oh, like, wow. waiting like like a yeah, – yeah, yeah. Like waiting to see the sex of the baby, you know, all nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then I was hooked. It was that night. I had a pretty good set and many awful ones to follow. But right. I think the fact that I had uh, a first good set, I mean, I was hooked. I was wow. Hooked. Do you remember how that first set went? Oh, yeah, I did stuff that uh, was just terrible. But yeah. I think I, w- I was so energetic about it and, and so into it that it uh, it worked out all right, being that I was a 16-year-old in a lineup yeah. of you know grown men who had been doing it for a long time. Right. I was doing stuff about forgetting your locker combination at school, trying to impress girls at school, all that kind of stuff. And we've all done that. Yeah, I just, you know, at the time, it's, I know the guy who followed me, John Raybon, who's still around in Austin, who, I mean, nice guy, he's definitely more of kind of like a rockabilly, like, kind of a cutthroat dude, mm-hmm. kind of more of a, does a lot of roast battle, kind of what we'd call that now. Yeah. But, I mean, he went on after me and did, like, 12 minutes on how comedy's not for kids and, and kids shouldn't be at comedy clubs and I think that's directly because Who's, he followed was he making me. it toward you. Yeah, I think so. Okay, and I was riding so high, row off of off of getting laughs on a stage like that. That yeah, I, I'm not even hearing any of it. Right, I'm, right, I'm right. in like this whole cloud nine. Oh, absolutely, right? man. You had to be 16 years old, and you went and talked in front of a crowd, and you made jokes, and maybe I mean, they, they got they some laugh? laughs, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and a guy amazing. named Jimmy Roulette came up to me after my first set. He he ended up opening for Chappelle years later, and oh, I think wow. now he's he's kind of retired to some extent, and. Yeah. He came up to me. He was like, "Kid, you're spitting gold. Stick with it." And just for that one compliment from another comic on that lineup was enough for me to kind of think maybe there's something here. Sure, you know. So, wow. And you were 16. Yeah. So then, when you got out of high school, what did you do? 
I actually, uh, I get my GED because they okay. explained to me that we'd like you to come back for a semester. And I said, boy, that doesn't really work for my schedule. Right. And I end up interning at uh, the Dudley and Bob show mm-hmm. in Austin, Texas, uh, okay. KLBJ FM. And sure. it's, at the time, they kind of came up doing kind of shock jock stuff, competing with Stern in the ratings every right, time he'd right, flow right. in and out of the market. And you're 18, you said, at this point? Yeah, I'm 18. And you're working a radio station. Yeah, and, and I went in for my my little on-air intern interview, and the guest is that guy, Jimmy Roulette. Okay. Wow. So yeah, we come full world. circle, and, yeah, yeah. and he, I walk in, and he's like, hey, man, what are you doing here? And I'm trying to be an intern. And, right. You know, then the host of the show are going, Dudley and Bob are going, how do you know this kid? And he's, oh, this kid's hilarious. I, You know, he's been <laughs> doing stand-up for a few years. Yeah. So that, that definitely, it was like having my job reference in the room. Right. It was very, it was nice. It was like instant, instant, like, your instant credibility. Yeah, like it was like LinkedIn cred. in person. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. So I was there for a couple of years and ended up at uh, ESPN Radio and then Clear Channel. And You did ESPN Radio too? Yeah, I did a, a Sunday Cowboys post-game show and then oh, I worked I in the front was office. Fun. It was. Because are you a Cowboys fan? I, I was growing up. And I think by the time I worked there, yeah. after Aikman, oh, I, went I, I, I had a hard time with the silver and blue. Yeah, but I've I, never been a silver and blue fan myself. Oh, I was raised on it because my, you know, yeah, my dad's Texas. old school Texas Cowboys right, right, fan. Right, right, right. I mean, that's that's. I think the all deal. our dads are, man. I think so. Yeah, uh, I mean, you didn't have another option. The Oilers were always, you know, I like the Oilers because I was a big fan of like Warren Moon. So yeah, so I ended up at uh, ESPN Radio, nice. and I'm working in the front office, and I'm doing like a little Sunday post game for the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I show up to work one day, and there's, like, two older Mexican dudes sitting at my desk. And I'm going, this is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. I walk into my my boss's office. Yeah, we're going to move you up front. Wow. Well, they, they decided to expand Deportes, mm-hmm. ESPN Deportes. Right, right, Basically right. kind of move all of us out. Oh, no. Because we kind of all just are – I mean, the only thing that ESPN covered in all sense time was just UT sports. Right, right, right. I right. mean, we're not close enough to really get into Astros or Rangers or mm-hmm. Spurs. So, we're it's just all UT. Right. Well, like, uh, I don't know, a month later, they pretty much just clean out everybody. And uh, they, they switch it over from ESPN to the Horn and uh, – so it's a very like it's very UT centric very station now right yeah so uh, then I move over to uh, to Clear Channel and uh, I'm working for like five different stations cutting commercials and cutting promos mm-hmm. and you know finding a way to get back on the air and uh, so you got like a good voice to cut commercials and stuff uh, no I was just like putting stuff together oh we had that voice okay, okay. track guy and then okay. and I can't do the big like the the brought to you by Smirnoff yeah. Ice. Yeah, that's pretty good. But uh, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I'm going to put you down as a reference. <laughs> the world of raw, 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 raw. And when the time came for me to do uh, the interview, the podcast, or when I reached out to Steve to do the podcast, it was really like a like another one of those uh, gambles. Like, okay, well, you know what? I'll try. I'll reach out to him. And he reached. He replied and said, "Yeah, let's do the podcast. Um, I'm going to be performing in Austin on the 11th of December at the Cap City, Cap City Comedy Club, and I and I went out there. I bought my ticket. I made the trip down there to see him. And uh, Steve was just a really cool, personal guy. Um, I had heard about Steve because uh, we're from the same area. I had heard story. I had heard that he was a great comedian. And then I listened to to WTF, which is Marin's podcast, and he had 
done a lot of stuff talking about uh, joke stealing there uh, with you know with the Carlos Mencia thing, but really cool, easy access, and you'll hear that in this conversation. If you haven't listened to this one, this is a great episode. Um, I hope you enjoy. It was so good, so good. You did stuff for Mind of Mencia. You did season yes. one, right? So. I mean, I know we, we talked about it. I know you were on Marin's show, and um, yeah. yeah. No, go ahead. Okay, so does that happen a lot where people are taking somebody else's material? Like, if, has anyone ever taken something of yours that you're All like, the time. yeah? It still happens. Yeah. Does, that, know, does that kind of piss you off, or does that, how does that make you feel? No. You know, now, now I, you know, I just go, whatever, take it. I yeah. don't give a shit. I'm going to keep moving forward. You right, right, I mean? right. Um, and, and, you know, young comics are the ones that make those mistakes because mm-hmm. they don't have anything to talk about. And and that was kind of the big problem with Mencia was mm-hmm. you're not a young comic. You know yeah. what you know better. You know you shouldn't be stealing material. Yeah. You're a professional comedian. Mm-hmm. You know, and by the way, I'll say it here and I've said it before, Mencia would do an hour of original killer funny shit. Yeah. And then he would do another thirty minutes and he would steal. Wow. And it was like, you didn't even have to do the other 30 minutes. Right, right, right. You like had you, an hour of original great shit. And you nailed it, right? Kind of well, thing. Yeah. Why are you, conti- you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was frustrating to see that, you know, where mm-hmm. it was like, it's not like you're not good. You're fucking good. Yeah. But then you steal. And you're not a kid. And you're not an open micer. And you should know better. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. So that was the, that was the, the biggest frustration. And like for me, I don't watch comedians anymore. Yeah. You know, if I go to the comedy store where mm. the lineup is Bill Burr and Kevin Nealon and David Spade and Chris mm. Rock and Dave Chappelle, that's the lineup. Right, right. I don't watch them. Wow. I'm gonna be. I'm in the parking lot. I'll peek in to see what they're doing or, yeah, yeah. or see if the crowd's liking it or whatever. But I'm in the parking lot because I don't want to be influenced by anything they say. Right. You know. Right. I don't want to hear that they say anything. Mm-hmm. And I want and I want other comics to know that I'm in the parking lot. Yeah. If you heard something similar that I did, I didn't hear it. Right. I came up with it. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. So it's kind of a way to protect myself. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of other comedians kind of follow the same guideline that I do. Right. You know, um, and now on stage, you know, because we're comics, right? We have these incredible memories to remember funny things. Right, right. So I'll be on stage and I might... We're good. All right, man. She's on it, man. I might have something in my head. Because, dude, I'm five steps ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you this story, and in my head, I'm like, okay, what's next? Yeah. Something will pop in my head that's fun. Yeah. Come on in. Hey, it's Amanda. Hello. It's okay. Yeah. No, come on in. Um, I just wanted to confirm times with you. Um, Marty said you're going to do an hour. Yes, one hour. Okay. And when will you get the mic? Give it to me at 50. At 50? Yes. Freaking stressful, right? It's nuts. <laughs> All the people and everything. I mean, it's it's good, but everybody yeah. found a seat. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. This is kind of cool. I don't know whether to take this out or leave it in. No, you should leave it in. It's, uh, that's like, but again, yeah. I share everything. Yeah, yeah, dude. You're, you know, and and what I've learned is people know if you're too slick. Yeah. You know, I don't have a social media person. No, you're, I do it's, it myself. It's all DIY. Right? It's me yeah. doing it myself. Uh, there was one where me and my wife had this plan <laughs> to do a Q&A. And we couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I didn't edit that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck it. Like, let them see 
Is that a Facebook Live? That yeah, it was a Facebook Live, dude. <laughs> Me and my wife were like, is it working? You know, I don't know if it's working, you know. But it's real. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I, I've learned that people see that and they go, oh, Steve's a dude. Yeah. You know? He's one of the guys kind of thing. You know, but I'll be honest with you. It is becoming overwhelming. It, yeah. is, it is getting to the point where I need help. Yeah. You know, but I try my very best to handle it myself. Yeah. Reply myself. Yeah. You know, and like I said, I stress out about it and I'm, dude, I'm up at night in my bed going through messages and reply. And sometimes they're generic. But yeah. 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 At least it's a fucking reply. Yeah. So what an awesome journey to, to talk about Said it was such an adventurous trip. Thinking about these uh, episodes, where I hear my you know, my conversation struggles or some of the amazing journeys that people share. Just couldn't do it any other way. Um, I want to take the time to, again to thank everyone, all of you for listening to the show and supporting the show. Shout out to Team Bench. Sean for putting together those little clips for me, and to Mandy, you guys are great, we're an awesome team, good group of podcasters, love you guys, shout out to Team Fetch, uh, shout out to everyone in the podcast family who supported me and helped me with the podcast, huge thank you to Omar, to Brandon Manabusin, and to anybody uh, that has helped me with tech, shout out to Razor for helping me with some of that tech stuff. And uh, Lipson for providing the hosting service for amazing customer service. And people, if you guys want to get into podcasting, Lipson is the place to be. So let's talk about some social media, Twitter and Instagram. I will also continue. Worldofworld.com is my website. It's still kind of work, work, I'm working on it, making it better. Uh, you can email me at roelsjr at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you want to be a guest, or if you want to give me a comment, a personal comment, you can reach me there. Gonna do it, guys. <laughs> Big sigh of relief. I've been having so much technical issues right now, so I'm glad that we were able to get all this in in under an hour. I uh, won't. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, guys, thank you for supporting World of Row, and I hope you continue to enjoy the show and you stay tuned with me as the World of Row turns. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you.